So I'm Pastor Beck. If you don't know me, that's because often I am out with our awesome kids. But today I get to be in here, which is such a privilege. So thank you, Pastor Nathan, for the opportunity uh, to come and share. So I'm super excited to bring what I've got on my heart today because it's something that God has been speaking to me about all year. You know, sometimes God just speaks to us on a certain thing. And so it's been on my mind and I've been really prayerful about it and writing things down in my phone. (laughs) Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, okay, I'll focus on that. All right, so that's been my focus. And so my sermon today is called Live It Out. And it's about living out our faith. All right, so thank you for praying, Mark. I was just, I had in my thing, pray now, but we've already prayed. So thank you for that. At the beginning of the year, Nath and I, we got a new family car. And so this was a long overdue, very exciting time for us and such a blessing. Um, And so he got my phone. He said, oh, babe, I'm going to hook your phone up to the car so that you can receive calls while you're driving. And like, I'm not super technologically gifted. And so Nath often does things like that for me because he's awesome like that. Um, Anyway, the next time I jumped in my car, a podcast started playing that I had downloaded like seven years ago and just totally forgotten about. But because the Bluetooth hooked in, it just started playing. And so I'm driving, listening to this message. And it was by a pastor in the US called Judah Smith. And he was talking about what we should be defined as or by as Christians. And it really hooked me in and I ended up sitting in the car, in the Woolies car park, listening to the end of this podcast because I was totally engrossed in it. And then I got home, I'm like, Nath, you need to listen to this. And so I showed him. And the reason it grabbed my attention is because this is what had already been on my mind. What does it really mean for us to live out our faith? Who made some New Year's resolutions this year? Anyone? Now, I know we're in March, so a lot of them are probably... But it is good to make plans. Um, I think it's really normal and actually really healthy to look ahead and go, how do I want this year to look different to last year? So typical New Year's resolutions tend to be, I'm going to get more fit. I'm going to eat healthier. I'm going to improve my financial position. I'm going to work on my mental health. I'm going to lose some weight. All these sorts of things. Fix my diet, eat healthier. That's always the one that I think of. And these are really good things. These are good goals to have and good things for us to aim for. This year, I was thinking, yep, I need to exercise more, be more active, could lose some weight. That'll be really good. And then I started thinking about me, not just physically, but me as a person. How can I work on me this year, my character, who I am inside, my relationship with God? I was thinking, how do people experience me? What feeling do I leave behind after I've spent time with someone? Am I representing my God well? Am I glorifying God? Am I standing by these things that we talk about as a church and we aim for and we bring up all the time, which are awesome to say, but am I actually glorifying God? Am I actually embracing people and planting seeds and making disciples in the way that I live my life? Am I regularly seeking the Lord? Am I prioritising my time with Him? Am I being sensitive to the Holy Spirit? And am I being obedient 
when I feel those promptings. It's good to reflect sometimes, isn't it? And to challenge ourselves. After all, this journey of sanctification and becoming more like Jesus can take us a lifetime. My biggest question was, can people tell that I'm a Christian by my actions alone? If someone encounters me, will they see Jesus in me? And this is something that I regularly talk to our kids about over in Hills Kids. And some of the youth who have been through our kids program will probably have heard me say it. Can your friends at school tell that you're a Christian? Can they tell that you're different? What makes us different? Can they see that we are God's kids? And last week, Chris did the lesson. Chris, oh, he's such a great kids leader and such a blessing to our church and our team. And he talked about this, and it was powerful. Can your classmates or friends at school tell that you're different? How about your family when you go home? That's a bit harder, isn't it? We're often the meanest to our annoying brother or little sister. Can they see Jesus in us? And for us adults, it's the same. Can our workmates see Jesus in us and the way that we live? How about our family when we get home, or our husband or our wife, who often cop it when we've had a stressed day? You know, from the Bible, we learn that people should know us by our love for others. And we've heard that so many times. By our kindness, by the way that we treat people. John 13, 35 says, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. But I love the New Living Translation. It says it better. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. I love that. We are called to love and to love unconditionally. And Pastor Nathan talked about this just two weeks ago as part of his How We Fight series, which has been an amazing series. Have you guys been getting a lot out of it? Because I know I have been. Really practical stuff. So a Christian is someone whose behaviour and heart reflects Jesus Christ. And that's the goal, right? That's who I want to be. That's who you want to be. 2 Corinthians says that we become a new creation. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. Not just sitting there, but completely gone. And a new life has begun. So this means that when we decide to live for God, that we should be changed. We should be transformed. Do you know, transformed means to change completely the appearance or character of something or someone. That is what we want to be, transformed by God. Paul talks about this change, this transformation that happens in our lives in Ephesians. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him and your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. I love that. And this is our memory verse in kids, actually, this part. And may you have the power to understand, as all of God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. 
then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So when we decide to give our life to God, he overwhelms us with his love. And the end of chapter three says, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than what we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. But as we go on to chapter four, this is where the application comes in. Paul says, therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. We have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. So the first way that we can live out our faith is to live in love. Now, I've picked two practical ways to show love that I'm going to share with you today. Of course, there are so, 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 so many ways that we can show love. But I'm just going to share two that are important to me. My first one is quality time. Hands up, quality time, people. Yes. Life is super busy. Do we agree? Super busy. We spend so many of our hours rushing around, getting things done, fitting things in. Time is our most precious commodity. So what better way to show love than by giving someone some time? Not squeezing in a little bit of time for a quick word or a pat on the back as we walk past, but actively stopping, slowing down, focusing on someone and what they're saying, and only that, giving them our undivided attention. Time where we just listen and let them speak. And also being really intentional with that time in that we pray beforehand and we stay listening to the Lord during the conversation and we pray for them afterwards. I read a quote this week and it said, time is the greatest gift that you can give to someone because it's like giving a portion of your life that you'll never get back. If you really want to show someone value, then spend some quality time with them. My second way to show love is by meeting needs. This is a really powerful thing. As some of you know, I lived in the US for a year when I was 20. And I volunteered with an organisation called the Dream Centre in LA. This was in an old hospital building and they were dedicated to meeting the needs of the desperate people in the Echo Park and downtown LA area. Now, if your only experience of the US is through movies, then it might seem a bit silly because you've probably only seen the happy, shiny part of LA. They only show that in the movies, you know. But let me tell you that next to the fancy malls and beaches and designer stores and all those lovely things, there are hundreds of desperate people living in cardboard boxes, strung out on drugs, homeless and struggling, and so many children neglected and desperate to be loved and cared for. The Dream Centre was a massive project since it was a really run-down building, but as they renovated a floor, they would move in a ministry. And so by the time I lived there, I think it had been running about six years, they had over 200 ministries running out of this hospital, this old hospital building. 
They had kids' ministries, homeless ministries. They had a Spanish church. They had a youth evangelism production ministry that would go around and encourage youth groups in the area to evangelize. They had production ministries for the church. They had a food bank. They had a community wardrobe, which was a bit like an op shop, discipleship programs, everything you can think of. And it was a hub of ministry in this area. All of these ministries are about meeting needs. And I loved my time there because I love that practical type of love. When we're meeting practical needs and bringing tangible change to people's lives, they feel loved. So I was working on staff there at a homeless shelter for girls and I volunteered in other ministries while I was there as well. My time there taught me the value of practical help. When you turn up at a desperate family's door with a bag of groceries, or you give a hungry, grubby kid a hug and a sandwich, when you're able to hand a prostitute who feels completely trapped in her situation a mini care pack with an emergency phone number inside that she can call to escape, when you can grab a teenager off the beach who has thought that they were going to be the next movie star in LA and is now trapped in this place and too embarrassed and stuck and feel like they can't go home, and when you can give them a bus ticket and help them go back to their family, that's real love. When you're able to show Jesus love this way, there is often an opportunity to share the gospel and to share the love of Christ and to pray with people. People are more open to us and what we have to say when they see that we care enough to physically help them. When practical needs are met, people are more open to God. The second way we can live out our faith is to live in joy. Do you know that God actually wants us to be happy? He wants us to have joy and to enjoy our life. It can be really easy to look at our circumstances and to feel overwhelmed and stressed or anxious because life is really full of challenge sometimes. We all know that. We aren't promised an easy life just because we're Christians. But our Lord promises to be with us in all seasons, no matter what we face. You know, I can't imagine doing life without God. I love the verse in Psalms where it says, from the ends of the earth, I cry to you for help. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the towering rock of safety. That's how I feel when I'm running to God. <laughs> so we can run to God and I'm so glad that we can. However, we still get to choose what we focus on. God has given us really good brains and he expects us to use them. If I focus on negative things all the time, then it's going to begin to affect me. My face will look more serious, my language and the points I focus on in conversation will become more negative, and in general, I'm probably going to feel worse over time. However, if I take control of my thoughts, if I choose to be positive and see the brighter side of things, then that will come out in my conversations, into my facial expressions, and ultimately improve my view of life in general. A few years ago, I was really struggling with anxiety and depression, and I've shared a bit of that with you guys before. Now, this was before I came to Hills, and we had just returned from living in the US for about six months following our adoption journey. Um, it was a pretty stressful time for us. We were trying to regain our feet. We were trying to find a new church community to hook into. 
Um, and as someone who loves church and loves the church community, I felt like I was at sea. I felt like I had no grounding. <laughs> and I was really struggling in that time of like trying to find our spiritual home, our family, our church family. But I used to dread that moment when the person at the front says, everyone turn around and say hi to the person behind you. Because <laughs> I would just want to die. I didn't want anyone to look at me. I didn't want anyone to talk to me. And, you know, in visiting a lot of churches, I found that not many people talked to me. And I remember thinking, man, people aren't very friendly. But, you know, looking back, I was not a welcoming person to talk to. I was a negative insular, not giving anyone eye contact person. No wonder no one came and talked to me. I'd get a polite hi from people and then that was it because I was sending a massive signal to everyone, don't talk to me. And sometimes I think we can, we can do that to ourselves. We can sabotage ourselves. So in Romans it talks about renewing our mind. We can choose joy and we can choose positivity. Our joy should not be based in our circumstances because they change all the time. Our joy should be based in Christ. Seasons continue to change us all around us, good and bad, difficult, easy, and they will continue to do that throughout the rest of our life. But no matter what we face, God is our constant, He's our anchor. He never changes, regardless of what circumstance we're facing. And if our joy is based in him, then it also will endure. I love this verse. One of my favourites. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so the power of Christ can work through me. So the third way that we can live out our faith is to live in freedom. When we start talking about love and joy, it reminds me of the fruits of the Spirit. In Galatians 5, the Bible tells us about the fruits of the Spirit. Who in their childhood learned a song for the fruits of the Spirit? Lots of us. My kids sing one at home. So I lay up on the screen. So the fruits of the Spirit, we have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we know these. These are all admirable things that we want to develop in our lives. We want people to see these things in us. But they take effort, don't they? The fruits of the Spirit don't just magically appear in our lives. We have to practice and practice and practice them. And like everything else in our life, we need to remember to balance it out. So... I don't think it's happened on this, but when I had written it down, I wrote it like a list, like a shopping list. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the reason I wrote it like that is because I think as Christians, we can get caught up in trying to be perfect sometimes. Is it only me? Maybe. Christian guilt is a real thing. And it's easy to sometimes look at something like this and turn it into a checklist. Have I done that? Done. Have I done this? Done. Now, it's really good for these things to be evident in our lives. 
but we aren't always 100% of the time going to be loving or patient or kind or gentle. And sometimes we're going to struggle with self-control or go through a day stressing out instead of being at peace. God knows this and he's so patient with us. But are we patient with ourselves? Sometimes we're not. So when I was reading this, I decided to go back and read the whole chapter. And I want to show you what the first verse in Galatians 5 says. It says, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Do you think Paul might have known that we might look at this as a list and turn it into this impossible thing that we could never measure up to? I think he did. As a holiness church, we always come back to sanctification. We want to be growing in our faith, maturing and improving and becoming more and more like Jesus. But sometimes in our pursuit of sanctification and spiritual maturity, we can forget to live in the freedom that we've been given, that we can't possibly earn or deserve. Jesus shed his blood for us. He paid the price. Our righteousness is a gift. Righteousness can't be earned. It can only be received. And we are not only forgiven of our sin, but we are viewed from heaven as perfect. We can and should be living in this freedom. Hopefully people around us can see it in us. Galatians 5.13 says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. I heard this great song by Hawk Nelson. In fact, if you listen to 96.5, you've probably heard it too. It's called Live Like You're Loved. And I felt so challenged by this song lately. Um, Just had it going round and round in my head. And I wanted to show you the YouTube clip, but because of copyright stuff, I'm just going to read you some of the lyrics instead. So I encourage you to do whatever you need to do to listen well. If that means you want to close your eyes or whatever, please do that. Live like you're loved. You're not the only one who feels like this, feeling like you lose more than you win, like life is just an endless hill that you climb You try and try and you never arrive. I'm telling you something, this racing, this running, you're working way too hard. This perfection you're chasing is just energy wasted because he loves you like you are. So go ahead and live like you're loved. It's okay to act like you've been set free. His love has made you more than enough. So go ahead and be who he made you to be and live like you're loved. Live like you know you're valuable, like you know the one that holds your soul. Because mercy has called you by your name, don't be afraid to live in that grace. I'm telling you something, this God we believe in, yeah, he's changed everything. No more guilt, no more shame. He took it all away and gave us a reason to sing. So live like you're loved, walk like you're free, stand like you know who he's made you to be. Live like you're loved, like you believe. His love is all that you'll ever need.
So what should define us as Christians, as followers of Jesus? We shouldn't be defined by what we do or how much we earn or what we wear or where we live or the size of our house or how flashy our car is or whatever it is. We should be defined by our love for people, our kindness, our joy, our peace in the midst of anxiety and turmoil and our ability to live in freedom knowing that Christ truly has set us free. We should live out our faith by living in love and joy and freedom. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for how amazing you are. Thank you that you have called us. We are called by your name. Thank you that you have freed us. I pray, Lord, that you will help us to live in that freedom, to live in that joy, to be that love in someone's world, to be your hands and feet, Lord. Help us truly to be known by our love. Help our joy and our freedom to be contagious so people will come and ask us, what is it that's different? What do you have that I don't have? Lord, I pray that you would help us to represent you well in all that we do. Be with us, Lord. Go before us.